Welcome to the Top 5 Podcast with your hosts, Rail Bricker and Lindsay Adams. And uh, welcome. Our special guest today is Dave Melinda. Dave is a sales coach, podcaster and author, and he's based in Wisconsin. And he tells me he lives really close to Lake Michigan. Welcome, Dave. Well, good evening, guys. How are you? Fabulous. It's thrilling to have you on board with us today. Uh, we were talking before we, we started recording and you mentioned that it was almost time to wear a jacket where you are as the temperature was hovering around zero degrees. And yep, whether it's yep. zero Celsius or zero Fahrenheit, that's cold. Yeah, exactly. I got short sleeve shirt on. I might have to put a long sleeve on and it's a jacket. So we'll we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. If it got anywhere near zero uh, where I live, uh, it'd be a catastrophe. Let me t- Okay, so Dave, um, we're not here to talk about the weather. We're here to talk about the top five tips for salespeople. So tip number one, what's your best tip for us? Yeah, I tell you what, it's interesting here, Lindsay, where uh, the statistics show that almost half of sales professionals, salespeople, half of the people in sales don't actually follow up with any prospect. So my number one tip here is to make sure that you follow up with your prospect as often as you can. And quite frankly, as often as the prospect will allow. And the best way to find that out is to ask the prospect, you know, how can I follow up with you? How often, you know, get some dialogue and some feedback early from uh, from your prospect is by far the best way to start. So does that turn you into a pesky salesperson though, Dave? Surely people, you know, I, I guess it's a fine line to walk, isn't it? Yeah, and that's why I like to ask the prospect because I don't want to be in a situation where I provide a proposal for somebody and then that night I show up at their doorstep and knock on their door at their house. That's not what we're talking about, right? Um, what we want to do is we provide information, but we all know that time kills deals. And so the longer we wait, the less likely we're going to have success. So I like to ask the question of, you know, now that you have the proposal, how long do you need to review it? Do you need to review it with somebody else? Whatever their buying, you know, uh, system is, I just want to make sure that I have an understanding of it so that I'm able to insert myself when when they're asking me to. That's interesting because, you know, you get a lot of the, particularly on the email lists, you know, you know, I noticed you didn't buy our product yesterday. Well, you have a special yeah. limited offer today. Right. Yeah, isn't that crazy? It wasn't that limited offer yesterday, but it is today. So, um, yeah, I, I just think if we start with the prospect in mind, then our sales uh, process is going to be much more successful because of the fact that they are leading, they're kind of, you know, uh, in charge of the process themselves. So let me ask you, so you, you say this is after you've given them a proposal, you've told them whatever it is, you know, I can, I can solve your problem and this is what's going to cost you. You know, sure. can I just step back a little bit? Sure. What's, what's the process of getting to that point? I mean, that's a whole different conversation, but, sure. but th- what's the key thing that you have to do in getting to that point of being able to follow up once you've sent them a proposal? Well, I guess the, yeah, no, it's a great question. And I think that the interesting answer is, is we have to find some reason that somebody's interested in calling us at the beginning. 
I mean, we all get, you know, bombarded with emails or LinkedIn invites, whatever phone calls, and everybody's got the solution to, you know, our problem. But how often do we call them back? How often do we respond? We tend to find people that we like. We tend to find people that are like us. And quite frankly, guys, we like to talk to people that want to help us first. So, you know, for both of you guys, if I said, hey, I, you know, if I called and said, I just got off the phone with so-and-so from this company and they want to buy what you have, call me if you're interested. I mean, that is like something that's really going to probably get you guys to pick up the phone. Now, if I say, hey, you know, I have this widget here, Lindsay, and I want you to buy 100,000 of them, call me. I mean, two totally different phone calls and we'll get two totally different responses. So if we're not in the mood or the if we don't have the ability to give first, in our relationship, it's really difficult to have success, at least in, in my mind. Okay, so that leads us into the next step, I guess. So what's your top tip number two? Well, and it is always have a next step. I mean, if you have a relationship and you don't have a next step where, you know, and unfortunately, how often have you guys heard somebody say to you, if you're, if you're the consumer or you're the person trying to buy, somebody says, well, take a look at the proposal and I'll give you a buzz back next week. I mean, that's really not a next step, right? It's really not a absolute next step. So I think the best way to do it is to have a next step. And what I like to do is if I get somebody to say, yeah, Tuesday at three o'clock, let's talk. What I do is I jump on Outlook and then I send them an Outlook invite for next Tuesday at three o'clock. And if they accept, I know now that I'm on their calendar and it's pretty likely that they're going to take my call. And so I just like to make sure that salespeople, people in sales in general, always have a next step. There's always something that I'm going to be doing as a salesperson, and there's always something that the prospect is going to be doing. Otherwise, uh, it's just kind of a mutual mystification where I thought you were calling me. No, I thought I was calling you, you know, and there's really kind of not a real strong uh, commitment either way. I love the concept of being able to send someone an appointment these days. I think that's um, <clears throat> it just works so well. And everyone's really used to it now as well. And so, right. um, you know, it's very common, of course, I'll send you a Zoom appointment. Uh, and so, you know, as part of a sales process, I guess you could do just that and say, I'll send you a, a Zoom appointment for next Tuesday at three. And, um, right. you know, I can answer any of your questions or whatever. Yeah, what a great idea. Yeah, because, I mean, let's think about it this way. If I don't accept, if we have an agreement, and then I am the prospect and I don't accept your appointment for next Tuesday at three, what do we have? I mean, it's kind of iffy, right? It's maybe a 50-50. He'll take my call. Yeah. He didn't acknowledge, you know, so it's like, yeah, I don't feel like that's really a solid next step. And and I think it also helps to be able to get a, le- a commitment level. If they're not interested, it's like, why don't you just say, you know, it's so hard for prospects today to say, I'm really not interested. I get LinkedIn responses pretty much every day or requests for they want to sell me something. You know, 36 seconds to $12 million. You know, I guarantee you 12 million. And then, you know, there's all these things. And I try to respond to as many as I can and say, I'm really not interested, but thank you. 
But, you know, there's so many people that just, you know, throw a bunch of stuff out there to see what sticks. And it, you can call it sales <clears throat> if you want. I just don't think it, it's really the professional way to do it. You, you mentioned the LinkedIn. Um, both Lindsay and I received unsolicited messages today from somebody. And her first line in the message was, you may be aware that for the last six months I've been doing this research. I've had no contact with this person ever. So there you go. I'm not quite <laughs> sure why I would be aware of the research. Um, right. well, you were waiting with bated breath, weren't you, Real? Come on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Email. So, <laughs> so <laughs> no, and I, I get those too. I just I get them. I haven't been in the roofing industry in, since 1986. And uh, I get these, you know, these things on LinkedIn and the guy says, I see that you're in the roofing industry and I'd like to know if you'd like to have any roofing leads. And I just, you know, I mean, again, it's just, it's sad that that's kind of where we've evolved to in sales. So I totally get sales is a bad word. In third grade, we weren't sitting there, you know, when the teacher asked, what do you want to do when you grow up? Do you remember anybody's raising their hand? And, oh my gosh, <laughs> I want to be a salesperson. High school. And I want to go down to Al's used car and I just want to sell a pant load of cars, you know. Uh, it just wasn't what we what we really aspired to be. But, you know, it's the statistics show about two out of three people, their job consists of sales every day of some of some sort. So it is what it is. Well, you know, Dave, there's a there's a chapter in my book called you know, Businesses About Sales. Don't tell the marketing gurus because <laughs> that's exactly what it's about. So right. so going on to your, your tip number three, you know, yeah. is is you know, you want to expand on that. Yes. Yeah, so I really think that, you know, we as sales professionals, we in sales, we talk too much and we don't listen enough. And I like to tell people that I train and talk with and coach that you should be spe speaking about 30 to 35% of the time. And then that allows the prospect to, you know, do the majority of the speaking. I've been in calls with people or ride alongs or audio tapes, videotapes, whatever, where we've watched, you know, a a presentation and all it is is techno puking is what i call it they're just constantly spitting out all these words and the the prospect never gets a chance to say anything they never get a chance to really um you know divulge anything because we're so busy talking so i think one of the great points is to make sure that you're speaking way less than you are uh, than the prospect is. So, Dave, how do we get the the prospect to talk to us more? I mean, you know, I've been in meetings where <clears throat> they've been very, very quiet, and I'm thinking sure, I wish sure. I could get them to talk more. Is there any secret tips there? Well, tip number five is to really ask a lot of questions. Oh, we're jumping ahead already. <laughs> yeah, we're jumping ahead already. But the thing is, is that, you know, the, it's, <clears throat> it's, it's, it's one thing to ask a question that is a yes or no answer. I mean, I think when we've all learned this, that's the funny thing about this is these points aren't like, oh my gosh, I never thought of this before. They're all points that we've all been taught. We just, in the heat of the battle, we forget, you know? So think of how many questions you've asked, you know, over the years that weren't open-ended, you know? Like, how, how's your current vendor doing? Fine. Okay, now what? 
<laughs> do yeah. you like your current vendor? Yes. Okay. I mean, you're going nowhere quick, you know? So maybe one of the questions is, you know, I know I'm not perfect. It's possible that your current vendor is not perfect. You know, if they could do one thing better, what would it be? Oh, I like you know, that. A question like that just kind of opens up for them to now, number one, they have to think. So rule number three that we talked about is make sure that you can listen. And we're all guilty of talking way more than we should. So when you ask somebody a question, just be prepared to just wait for an answer. It might take three, five, seven seconds for them to come up with a really good answer to that question. And just let them, let them sit and think about it for a minute. Do you think sales people who are not good sales people are not versed in not well versed in the art of of just leaving a room silent for a few seconds. Yeah, that's a great point, real. I mean, <laughs> there are people that if they don't hear themselves talk, then they don't think success is happening because they have so many great things to say. And so, you know, I think the best person in the room that has something to say is the prospect. And they are the ones that they'll tell me, you know, it's so, it's so easy sometimes to sell because they'll tell you when they're ready. They'll tell you how they bought. I mean, you know, ask people what's the buying decisions look like, you know, how do you make decisions here? You know, the questions that you ask will allow you to get the answers that you need to move forward. And, you know, so yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And just listening is so much, uh, so valuable in so many ways. And we're just in the sales piece right now, but, um, you know, know when to talk and know when to listen is really, I think, a, a pretty important scenario. Okay. So, so we jump forward from, uh, tip number three to tip number five, we'd better circle back and uh, close off on tip number four. What would that be, Dave? So I think that there's a lot of people in sales that do a lot of unpaid consulting. They answer the questions, they fix the, the client or the prospect's problem long before they even need to. I mean, think about like right now, and again, I don't know, you know what, what companies this works for in your world, but you know, we have these uh, you know, electronic stores are a prime example. So you can go to an electronic store here in the Midwest in the United States and, and you can get every single question answered on a TV or on whatever. And then you go home and then now that you're educated, you can go and buy it online for 50 bucks less or 100 bucks less or whatever. We tend to treat our sales uh, profession like a librarian. I mean, you could go to the library at eight o'clock in the morning when they open and ask the librarian a hundred questions until that she goes home or he goes home at four o'clock and it's a public service. I mean, the community's paying for your library to get staffed. I don't pay, I, mean, I don't pay my people, you know, to be, they're not librarians. I mean, we're here to sell. So I always tell people sell today and educate tomorrow. And a lot of times we have that reversed in that we want to educate today and then sell tomorrow. And the problem is, is that the more you educate, the less they actually need you. And so we have that fine line of being able to educate, you know, at the right time. So I just encourage people not to do, 
you know, free consulting, unpaid consulting, have some, you know, some, have the have the prospect have some skin in the game so that they're able to value your time as you value theirs. So, Dave, how does that uh, compare or clash with, uh, you know, the online marketing gurus who will tell you, um, give away value, give away value, give away, give away, give away, and then ask for a sale? Um, right. It seems to be in 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 uh, contrast with that kind of concept. Are we talking? Is it the same playing field we're even talking about here? Or yeah, I mean, it could be. There's plenty of. I mean, this is just you know one school of thought. You can give away everything you want. Um, I, I I totally get that. You want to build credibility. There's other ways, you know, in building credibility. Just because I might have a ton of product knowledge you know, doesn't mean that there's not other ways to build credibility. Like I said before, you want to build credibility with somebody say, oh my gosh, I just got off the phone so-and-so and I want to make an introduction for you because they were just talking about the product that you sell. And I can't believe how, what the, you know, what the, the likelihood of this is that's building credibility. I mean, there's a lot of ways that we want to build trust because if the if we don't build trust in sales, we tend to not have a very successful sales career. And so our goal is to build trust. And some people, that's the only way that they know how to build trust is by giving that away. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Uh, if if I'm going to do it, put it this way, Lindsay, if I'm going to give away way something i want something in return you know if i'm going to give you a bunch of product knowledge i'm going to ask for something in return maybe i'm going to ask for last look before you make all your decisions maybe i'm going to you know ask for a meeting where we can show all the you know proposals next to each other and we can kind of do you know some kind of scope review meeting or whatever it is that you sell as long as that that is fair because now i'll educate you but then you're going to give me something in return at, at the end prior to making your decision. So, so let me ask you, does, does this process change if you are business to business or business to consumer? Sure, it totally can. I mean, your, your, your prospect, whether it's a business or a consumer, drives the sale. We've all been taught, you know, I, I, you, you guys, as well as I in the 80s and, you know, to that there was a pitch kit, there was a certain way you do it and you do it the same way and you try and fit the every prospect into doing it the exact same way. I mean, we're back in the days where, remember, you had a flip chart where you had to kind of, you know, show the pieces of paper and they were laminated. And you thought, man, you're so special because your sheets were colored and laminated. And, you know, you thought you could write on them and erase. And, oh, my gosh, you were just, you know, the cat's meow, right? Um, but it does change based on who you're talking to. It can change within an organization between a buyer and, you know, a C-suite person. So, if we walk in with the exact same, you know, sales process every time, I think we struggle because each person, you know, trusts something different. Each person needs something different. So I think that's probably the hardest part of sales is that being flexible and really being able to adapt like a chameleon. I might have to sell, be, be, become red to sell to rail and then blue to sell to Lindsay. 
but I'm selling the same product. It might be the same company, might be everything the same, but we just have two different personalities. And that's what I think is, is, is intimidating about sales for a lot of people. So can I just circle back a bit? You talked about building trust with a prospect. Um, I'm curious to explore that a little more. What, what are some simple ways that we can build trust with a prospect? Well, so, yeah, and, and each, like I said, so I do a lot of work with DISC, the personality profile assessment tool, okay? Now, a D person and an I person and an S person and a C person, they all trust something different. And that's what's unique is like a D person trusts, you know, confidence. If you don't walk into that office with confidence, if you don't have that a little bit of ego with you, they will not trust you at all. There's just a missing, they don't think you know what you're doing and they want to get you out of there as quick as possible. The I people, the real people people, they want they trust openness. So they'll ask, they'll start with a story or they'll start with telling something about themselves. And if you don't reciprocate back, they're not going to trust you. You know, the S people, they trust kindness. So if they're really kind and they're really um, uh, accommodating and you don't return that favor or return that, they're, they're going to have that problem there. And then the last is the engineer, like the C person is like the engineer. They trust your expertise. And if you don't know what color it comes in, or you don't know what the warranty is, or you don't know how a producer, it works with other pieces of equipment that you're going to interact with, that person will have nothing to do with you. And that's the difference. So each personality kind of trusts something different. And that's the importance of being flexible and being able to be that chameleon right, right, on, right on command. So I guess um, one of the essential pieces of any salesperson's toolkit is to be chameleon-like. It really helps. Again, you guys both probably buy differently. You know, I, I mean, if we were selling you guys a car tonight, you know, rail might be the type of guy where, you know, he has to go and get four different estimates and he has to get, you know, a bunch of friends and he reads a bunch of, you know, uh, magazines on the consumer reports and he invests months and months to do it that way. Right now, here comes Lindsay. He walks in and he just picks that car out and he's been driving it his whole life. And it's give me the red one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And that's, but that's the thing is if I'm selling a car, cause I had this issue, I had this problem for me, I walked in and said, this is the car that I want. And the guy didn't listen. So I, I'm a Toyota guy. So I've been Toyota most of my business career drive for company cars. And so I said, I just want this Toyota right here. And the guy says, well, let me tell you about the history of Toyota. Okay, so he already blew by what I wanted and he already started to talk. I mean, he pretty much screwed up every single one of these that we've been talking about. <laughs> so then after that, he said, well, let me tell you about the history of our dealership. I've already said I want this Toyota. Just close your mouth and write the deal. And then he said, let me tell you about the history of me in my career. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Did you not hear I want this? Did you not notice that I'm a, direct, a high D? I want results. I want to get this thing done. He just blew by that. And if we would just mimic our prospect, we would do so much better. Well, I mean, and that takes us back to, you know, you mentioned it earlier, but the fifth of your tips, which is 
ask a lot of questions. And that particular car salesman asked none of them, you know. Yep, uh, not at all. Just had the sales pitch to 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 throw at you. Yep, because he did it the same way his whole life. He's 30 years into it. Every time he said the history of Toyota, every time he talked about the history of the dealer, every time he talked about himself and totally negated anything that I said. I was just going to say that it worked great for an S and a C buyer, perhaps. Yeah. Um, well, and, and it's just to me, it's just like speaking a different language. You know, if I would walk into a car dealership and speak Russian, how long would it be before somebody would raise their hand and go, you know what, sir, I I really don't speak that language. Yeah. And so that's where, again, if we're speaking the language of our prospect, let them start this, let them lead, and we we will direct them in the right spot. So how many salespeople, and I, and I see it often, and the car dealers are, are, are the classic, is their first reversion is to price. You know, yep. let, let me tell you what a good price I can give you on this product when price may not have come into my buying decision. Right. Absolutely. And that's a great, that's one of the great questions is, you know, when you make decisions or when you are factoring things in, what are the top three things that are going to, that are going to affect your decision? You know, don't multiple choice it because you're going to multiple choice it in something that you're thinking, not them, you know, so it's, it is a quality service or price. You know, you start telling them what it is and that's a problem. What are some, what are three things that are going to really be key in you making your decision? And then you shut your mouth and then you start writing when they start talking because they'll tell you, well, price is everything. Like in our car thing, you know, if rail went, if we found out that rail went to five dealers, we know five dealers are because he's looking for the cheapest price. I mean, that's, that's pretty, that's a pretty telling sign, right? Well, Lindsay walks in and says, I want red. He doesn't care about the cost as much as he cares about, you know, the, the aesthetics of that vehicle. So we, if I, if I, if he says, does it come in red? And I say, well, I got a great price for you today. I mean, that just, it didn't even make sense, you know, cause we're not listening at all. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. We're total miscommunication. <laughs> Yeah, which never happens in sales, right? Never, we've never had that problem before. We've never had that problem, um, but one <laughs> problem we do have, though, Dave, is time. And I've sure. got my job on this podcast is to keep an eye on time, and we are out of it. So, I'm just going to sum up the top five tips from Dave Melinda uh, in terms of sales. Number one, follow up appropriately. Number two, always have a next step. Number three, know when to talk and when to listen. Number four, well, actually, we jumped onto number five, ask a lot of questions. And then number four, don't do unpaid consulting. Dave, it's been a real pleasure having you with us. Thanks so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Dave. And and thank you to my co-host, Lindsay. Dave, one last question for you is, if people would like to get hold of you, listen to your podcast, Positive Polarity Podcast, buy copies of your book, or generally, you know, have a chat about everything to do with sales. How do they get hold of you? Absolutely. Go to positivepolarity.com and everything is there you need. So uh, honored to be hanging out with you guys. So thank you so much. Thank you, Dave. And thank you, Lindsay.